Welcome to PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Soboleski. Your time is valuable and so is mine, so that is why I release these brief episodes focused on a single clinical topic. Today, we're talking about norovirus, which is the leading cause of acute gastroenteritis outbreaks and the number one childhood endemic cause of gastro worldwide. It's also a leading cause of foodborne diseases. You've all seen it. The first outbreak of norovirus was seen in Norwalk, Ohio in 1968, Go Ohio, and it's a Khaleesi virus. That's a small RNA virus that affects the GI tract. Um, since the introduction of the rotavirus vaccine, norovirus has taken over. It's, it's taken the lead. So 20 million cases in the U.S. a year, 400,000 ED visits, 70,000 hospitalizations, 800 deaths, and the population with the greatest caseload, kids under five. More than 90% of grown-ups are seropositive. That is, they've had it before. Here in the Northern Hemisphere, norovirus peaks in the winter, so it's real popular at the time of release of this episode. Transmission is fecal-oral, so wash your hands. can also be spread via respiratory droplets after someone vomits. That's gross as well. And it can spread via contaminated foods like leafy greens, fruit, or shellfish. Outbreaks are seen all over the place as well. Schools, daycare, cruise ships, sports teams, and of course, health care facilities. Wash your hands. Incubation after infection is for 24 to 48 hours. Then after that, symptoms start abruptly and then last roughly 48 to 72 hours, followed by rapid recovery. Maximal shedding of the virus in the stool occurs for one to two days, but it can persist for up to four weeks or months for immunocompromised patients. And Frankly, it's really hard to distinguish norovirus from other causes, and it doesn't really matter in most cases since patients just get better. The diagnosis is clinical. We do have multi-pathogen, molecular, and PCR tests are available, but they take time and they're expensive. And differentiating norovirus from non-virus pathogens can be hard as well. So age two to four is where you start to see more bacterial and parasitic agents causing gastro. Under two, it's mostly viral. Visible blood or mucus in the stool is more suggestive of bacterial than viral, but that can occasionally occur in viral gastroenteritis, and a fecal occult blood test doesn't distinguish between viral and bacterial either. Now, that being said, anytime you have bloody diarrhea, you should be sending off stool pathogen detection tests because you want to look out for agents like E. coli 0157H7, which causes HUS, which is really bad. A uh, patient with a high fever, so greater than 40 Celsius or 104 Fahrenheit, tenesmus, seizures, severe abdominal pain, that might be more bacterial than viral, but again, it's hard to tell. And then you also got to ask about certain things on histories like international travel, exposure to poultry or other farm animals, consumption of processed meat, um, untreated water, swimming in natural bodies of water. This can help you sort things out as well. And so what does norovirus do? Well, diarrhea and vomiting, right? So you get watery, non-bloody diarrhea, and that is because the virus impacts absorption of sugars and fats in the intestines and messes up with some enzymes and the rest is molecules, and I'm not going to talk about that. Vomiting is a bit more prevalent in norovirus than other GI viruses, seen in up to 90% of patients. There's no enterotoxin production. Maybe there's some delayed gastric emptying that could be the cause of the generally non-bilious, non-bloody emesis. Patients also experience general myalgias, malaise, and headaches. Fever seen in about half of cases. Patients are generally uncomfortable, but not severely ill. 
The main risk is dehydration, and it's more common in children under 12 months of age and in the immunocompromised. So if you're seeing a kid with norovirus and you think they're dehydrated, maybe they're at risk for IV fluids or at risk to need to stay in the hospital, that's where Zofran or Ondansetron can have the greatest impact. So that's the antiemetic. It can reduce further episodes of vomiting. The mainstay of treatment, though, is oral rehydration therapy, and you should start it as early as possible. And if your hospital or ED has protocols for it, it goes even better. The first episode of norovirus infection in general seems to last a bit longer than subsequent episodes you may get later in life. And there's multiple serotypes, so you can get it again. Wash your hands. So that's why parents will be like, my 12-month-old has been sick for three days, and I only had the 24-hour stomach bug. Previous infection confers a little bit of immunity and you have a shorter course overall. Sometimes kids can have a bit of a sluggish GI tract for a few days after the illness sort of resolves. You know, the diarrhea may be gone, the frequency of vomiting is decreased, but there can still be some cramping, bloating, dyspepsia, some early satiety. These patients can experience these frustrating symptoms for three to five days in addition. So when can kids go back to school and daycare? Well, 24 hours fever-free is a general guideline followed uh, pretty widely. Infants and children should be excluded from daycare centers until the stools are contained in the diaper, so it's not leaking out, or when toilet-trained children are no longer having accidents or the stool frequency becomes no more than two stools greater than that child's normal frequency even if they're still a bit loose, which can persist for a few days after the original illness. And in addition to regular hygiene, you should advise parents who have some symptoms concurrent with their children to not prepare food for other people until at least two days after resolution of symptoms. All right, I told you this episode was brief. We just talked about norovirus. If you're listening to this in the winter, then you are seeing norovirus. Remember that the diagnosis is clinical, causes diarrhea and vomiting, sometimes fever and some other systemic symptoms as well. And the main management is oral rehydration therapy. Ondansetron or Zofran can help reduce the frequency of vomiting. And in meta-analysis level data can reduce the risk of IV fluids and admission. But you should really be focused on teaching good oral rehydration therapy and excellent hand hygiene. If you've got feedback about this episode or any other, shoot me an email a direct message on Twitter, a comment on the blog, or leave a review on your favorite podcast site. That helps me get feedback and helps other people find the show so that they can learn about diseases like norovirus and other stuff that we see at the PZD. Until next time, for PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast, this has been Brad Sobolewski. Take care and wash your hands.